0: This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. If you guys want to set up a free chat, I'd ask if you take a look at the first few foundation podcasts and then set up a call with me on the contact page. Today's I a Ask Lane podcasts where listeners submit questions to me via email first question is what publications or different economic indicators do you look at to get a pulse of where people are moving and where the jobs are heading. a couple things i look at are the van line report and the u-haul report so the van line report these are the van lines that move a lot of white collar jobs around So if you're in a professional occupation and your company moves you from one area to another, a lot of times they just pay for all the moving expenses or just give you a lump sum. But most of the time they'll send you in these van lines and this is when they put all your stuff into a container and ship it for you. And it's kind of the white glove treatment. You might have to search for it a little bit, but it's out there to get records of where all the people are moving to. Don't ask me for it. Just search for it on your own. The other thing is the U-Haul report. Now, this is a little bit easier to find, and I think this is a lot more valuable than the van line report. I think we've all used the U-Haul at one point. College kids are pretty notorious for this as they move every year for college. The U-Haul report encompasses a lot of blue-collar folks, people who are trying to move on their dime and trying to do it on the cheap. So they usually rent a van or a truck, and then they... They do a lot of one-way trips to the new place that they're trying to move to. Now, I think if we're trying to look for population trends for rental properties, the U-Haul report is where it's at. As you can see, a lot of people are moving to the southeast from high-priced places like from Washington, California. You know, these they're going to Texas and the Carolinas. I know a lot of people that work for Boeing up here in Seattle. I mean, they're trying to get all the white-collar folks and all the manufacturing jobs move to the Carolinas and the Southeast because things are much cheaper there. Another report to look at is the Ryder-Levitt-Bucknell report. So this is the crane index. Robert Kiyosaki said, don't buy where there is cranes. And it's a little counterintuitive, right? Because the cranes are where the progress are. But the cranes means development and development means speculation in most cases. I think Seattle has about three times as much cranes as New York City right now because of all the tech influx from San Francisco. And as much as I think Seattle's a strong market, I wouldn't be really investing here because, once again, I'm looking for passive cash flow, not looking for explosive appreciation because I want something I can count on and something that's a little more conservative. So this Ryder-Levitt-Bucknell report, or RLB report, has an index of where all the cranes are and if you just google search that you can kind of get a little heat map where all these cranes are and you can see they're all in the typical primary markets not being one of the big boys in investing quite yet aka the accredited investor in the eyes of the sec It's tough to find good options for investing. But then I started investing in the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, or AHP Fund, which is crowdfunding the mortgage crisis in America. The fund collaborates with existing homeowners to keep them in their homes. It's a way to make great returns while feeling good about making a social impact. After investing myself in the fund, it was awesome when they approached me to become an advertiser of the company. You can start investing with as little as 100 bucks, And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email to lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. Next question is similar to how there are turnkey providers for single family homes. Is there anything similar for multifamily or are there turnkey apartments? <laughs> the answer is no, flat out no. And there's a lot of rehabbers out there that'll pick up wholesale properties and create it into a rental property for a turnkey rental, but there's not really anything like this for multifamily apartments. I mean, there's a lot of multifamily investments out there that I come across. I mean, I look at probably like 40 to 50 properties a month, and a lot of these properties just don't make any sense. I mean, you know, for example, a property that was bought for $6 million from an unsophisticated buyer, I underwrite that as being about $3.5 million. A few mistakes that I see a lot of people making is that they go to the performer section in the offering memorandum on all these commercial properties, and they look at this one, two, five year, 10 year projection. And quite frankly, that's just pretty much garbage right there. There's really no way you're going to hit those Performa numbers. Don't buy off Performa, buy off actuals. Another trick that these brokers like to do is, you know, they'll have the market rents like way, way higher than the actual rents. And if if you're seeing anything more than a 10% bump, in five years i mean that's just really really hard to get i mean you're going to need to have severely under market rents for you to make that big of a jump and even if you do your vacancy is going to go up probably about 20 30 percent to make that increase in rents i mean just think about it if you're renting for 500 dollars a month and then your landlord wants to bump you up a good amount i mean there's going to be a lot of people just balking from the situation wanting to get out So there are no turnkey apartments that you can do yourself. However, there are syndications where you can come in as a passive investor and take advantage of the bigger returns that are gotten with the economies of scale and the project. So that's pretty much as close as you can get to turnkey. I mean, that requires you to vet the lead investor and to do your due diligence on the investment. But that form of investing has a good way of achieving scale. And that's what I recommend to a lot of people who have a lot of money and are short on time. And it doesn't really make sense for them to screw around with little fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 single family homes. Next question is, with it being a seller's market and things are so overpriced, should I just wait for something to happen, like a recession, to buy in? Now, I think of this as a big negative mindset. I mean, people have been saying this stuff since the beginning of time, you know, Oh, I'll invest when the new governor in this area changes everything. Or, you know, the market cycles in this area, um, you know, we're we're due for another recession. You know, we're due for something every 8 to 12 years. Or the interest rates are this way. I mean, these are just kind of excuses. Investors know that they always make money when they first purchase the investment. And this protects against the downside. Now, if you want to play it safe and wait for things to come down, I mean, just make sure that you're cool working until you're 65 years old. But if you want to take a little less risk and have a lot more reward, I would just be purchasing all the time, but make sure the property cash flows with a good buffer. So in case things do happen, you can at least hold on to that property. If you guys have any more questions, please email me at lane at simple passive cashflow and Some updates on my own portfolio this past month. I had a property that had an unusual issue with some clay pipes. You know, clay is an older material that got put in a lot of these properties. I mean, these are the pipes that lead from the house out to the street to the city's infrastructure. I am an engineer, so I know a little bit about this stuff. You know, you'll see it in sidewalks where the trees and the roots will uh, come under the sidewalk and kind of push the sidewalk panels up. And the same thing that's happening, this one particular house, where the tree roots were growing into the clay pipes. And this makes total sense because the roots are looking for water and where's the water in the pipes. So I don't know when it happened, but you know, modern day pipes are PVC and clay just doesn't cut it anymore exactly for these reasons. I think I paid about $2,500 to get a backhoe out there and to clean out the uh, existing roots. Sure enough, there are roots. You know, you can TV the line that's uh, taking a little camera down the pipe and verifying that it's... Indeed, roots is their problem. But, you know, that TV rental for that little camera costs a lot of money. I mean, do you want to spend two or $300 and verify that that's a problem? Or do you just want to save that money and just go get it done? Yeah, there's a small chance that you, you may not have a root problem, but it's a small chance to take when all signs point to that. I guess when you guys are buying houses, a thought that may cross your mind is, hey, I just need to figure out if there's clay pipes and if there's roots there. You know, I think that's a nitty-gritty thing. I mean, it just comes with the territory of the investment. I mean, it's just a small risk out there. I mean, you can't over-insure yourself. Yeah, you get your property inspection, and then if you have a septic tank, go get a septic tank inspection. But after that, I mean, if you want to inspect every little thing under the sun, I mean... Really, I'm. Mean, why are we doing this? We're here to make money. We're not here to over insure ourselves. That's why we have some cash reserves on the side to pay for something like this. And you know, twenty five hundred dollars. You know, this this will happen on an infrequent basis, and I can handle that. Sometimes I used to get a little sad that twenty five hundred dollars, and that's like most of the cash flow a year. But you know, the mindset I have these days is. Now I don't have to worry about roots in my pipes anymore or, you know, if I replace my roof, now I have the roof for the long time or if the HVAC gets replaced, now I have an HVAC that's going to last a long time. Unlike the stock market where you can lose $2,500 or even ten grand in a day, at least with the stuff in real estate, you know, you have some tangible asset that has value. And, and you know, as long as it's nobody steals your HVAC or something bad, you know, you have that value there that you've purchased. All right, that's it, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Get ready to be mind blown. And now for today's hashtag LayHat with just the tip. Run, don't walk your way to simple and sign up for the Hu Pipeline Club and get it on the deal flow. Today I wanted to talk about some computer shortcuts and tips that I picked up along the way. First thing is to make sure that you guys have turned off your notifications. The Toyota production system came up with this idea of push and pull workflow. When these notifications come on your phone, these things are pushed to you. What you want to do is to set up your notifications so that you're pulling them. For example, you go into your email when you have time to check your email and you pull them as it pulls, this stuff cramming in your face. So if you're one of those people who's got that little annoying thing on the bottom right hand corner whenever you got an email... You need to turn that off because despite what you think, it's getting in your way and it's distracting you. Next thing, if you're one of those people who gets really preoccupied constantly checking Facebook or doing something else on their computer, consider using the full screen mode to hide other things that may tempt you to procrastinate and to do something else. The next tip is to use the control T and F function. In addition to the control C, And control V and control X. So the X, C and V options are obviously cut, paste and copy. Now, if you're someone who goes up to the edit and press paste, copy, I mean, you guys are just wasting your time. You guys need to get used to these shortcuts. When you're in your Internet Explorer or your Chrome or your Firefox, use the control T to pull up a new tab to start the next browsing session. And you can also use the control F to find whatever you're looking for in the web page or document. Now get creative with this. If you're looking for a certain item, you know, you even use numbers or you can even use certain words to guide you through quickly reading through a document. The next tip is a Pandoromo. Now you can Google what exactly this is, but as you're working throughout the day, it's been found that you can't really work continuously for eight hours. I mean, that's why we take breaks. But some dude out there did the study where the optimal time is to use this 20-minute timer with a 5-10-minute to 10 minute break. Or another version of this is a 47-minute timer with a 13-minute break. The idea is you're working in sprints as opposed to the cross-country runner method. Go to kit.com backslash flow for a timer that I use. And there's other cool productivity tools on that website too. Again, that's kit.com backslash simple passive cash flow. One thing I've been doing with this timer is I put it on the top of my cell phone for 20 minutes. What I've noticed is that I have this habit or addiction, if you call it, to reach over and just play with my phone and do something. So at least with this timer on top of my phone, it reminds me that I need to do what I need to do. And hey, it's only 20 minutes, so it gives me an incentive just to buckle down because I can do anything for 20 minutes. We talk a lot about syndications on this podcast, and most of the time, these offers are only for those with an accredited status, per the rules of the SEC. Now sponsoring the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast is the American Homeowner Preservation Fund, a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, empowering investors to fund the purchase of distressed mortgages. The AHP Fund aims to keep people in their homes by investing in notes. It's an opportunity to earn returns while feeling good about making positive social impact. You can start investing with as little $100. You can learn more at investinhp.com, And if you want the free Burn Zone book, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. Next thing is email. Now, email is a very archaic system these days. I mean, look at most people. They have thousands and thousands of unread email. And unfortunately, even if you're very good at email and you get a lot of things done, you follow the GTD methodology... You have to deal with these people at some point. Now, it's been said that if you have to email someone, you're not close enough to them. Other options are Facebook Messenger, chat. I think the thing about email that I don't like is you always have to put the subject line that I don't really think people really read. And another thing, it just gets put on top of the pile. The next tip comes from Tim Ferriss, where he says to check your email only a few times a day. You know, working at my job, I find that some days I get sick and I come back to the work the next day to all these email messages. And one thing I found is that it seems like the issues work themselves out. Now the email comes in, inevitably it gets sent to five to eight people, and then there's this quick race to see who can answer it first, and then after a couple hours, everybody forgot about that email thread because it either got solved or it wasn't even important to begin with. Tim Ferriss recommends checking his email once a day at noon. Now for some of us, it's just not practical to do that, but I think the important thing is just try not to have it up on your screen at all times. I mean, maybe... Check it four times a day or even two times a day or even at the top of every hour if you're so inclined. Every time we switch our intention, it takes us that much longer to get into what we were doing. There were studies that said it takes a couple minutes to get back to what you were doing. A lot of us are hired to do professional activities and to do deep work. And if you're constantly being interrupted, it's impossible to get what you need done. The last tip today is a discussion on your overall goals. And to sustain these goals, you need to define what they are and to stick to them. There's a saying that for everything you say yes to, whether it's a lunch date, going out to this wine party, or going to the soccer game, just taking a walk, is something that you're saying no to, that maybe it could be more important and aligned to your goals. And we all come to the beginning of the year or even the beginning of the month and we look at our goals and this is what we want. But if we're constantly filling our time with other things, then we're not consciously achieving our goals. This is inevitably called resistance and this is the stuff that gets in the way of achieving what we really want. Just be a little cognizant of what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. The preceding Lane Hack was approved by Lane Kawaoka, an efficiency and productivity expert, traditionally educated with a BS in industrial engineering, master's in civil engineering and construction management, and professionally licensed engineer in Washington State, with over a decade of infield experience supervising construction crews and managing over $100 million capital projects in both bureaucratic public and corporate private sectors. And by the way, every situation is different, and remember to think for yourself.